For the third year in a row, the American Theater Wing is once again celebrating the work of 10 nonprofit theater companies across the country, each receiving a $10,000 grant. Hello, I'm Donna Hanover for the American Theater Wing. Today, we're thrilled to be acknowledging these emerging theater companies, all of them in existence between five and 15 years, who have made substantial contributions to theater in their home cities. These companies were chosen because of their ability to strengthen and demonstrate the quality and diversity of American theater from coast to coast. The chair of the Grants Committee, American Theater Wing board member Lucy Arnez, explains why these grants and their recipients are at the heart of the mission of the Wing. Every year it's been a cross-section of the country, without fail. It blows my mind. And I've always said, I believe that Broadway is 3,000 miles long. Let me begin our discussion by welcoming all of you to Working in the Theater and introducing you to our viewers. Gabor Barabbas of the New Jersey Repertory Company in Long Branch. Philip Bame from Upstream Theater in St. Louis, Missouri. Alan Burroughs, Actors Shakespeare Project in Somerville, Massachusetts. Stephen Emerson from City Rep in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Charles Flynn McKeever of NC Stage Company of Asheville, North Carolina. Kate Lowald, The Play Company here in New York City. Joseph McGrath of the Rogue Theater in Tucson, Arizona. Michael McKeddy, the Theater at Boston Court in Pasadena, California. Eric Vossmeyer from No Theater of Cincinnati in Ohio. Ohio, and Christopher Zinovich from Arts West in Seattle, Washington. Well, we're delighted that all of you are joining us today. And as we get our discussion underway, it's important to recognize that the work that you do resonates beyond the audience that you might have for any one production, into your communities and really across our country. So I'd like to know what you think your mission is uh, as a regional theater leader and what your company's mission is. Volunteers? <laughs> sure. Well, we, we set out to produce almost exclusively new plays, uh, being aware that um, playwrights in America have a great deal of difficulty in getting a professional production of their play done. And even when they do, often after the first uh, production, the play often dies on the vine and is rarely produced again, so it has difficulty becoming part of the repertoire of the American stage. And so we kind of set out to provide a forum for these new plays and also to build partnerships and play a role in uh, furthering the play with other theaters and further production. So this is kind of the mission of regional theater in general, that's how you see it in this country, one of the missions. Well, I think the missions are eclectic, but certainly it's one role that regional theaters can play. How about other roles from? Well, we notice there's a, there's a real hunger for the narrative that explains why we're here or that uh, taps into uh, the nature of, of being human. And uh, so we really look for plays that, that express that in sort of a, you know, not over the head kind of way. There's a mystery to, to things that go on in life. And uh, not all plays uh, uh, and, and not everybody gets the answer that they want. So we really explore plays like that. Um, and, uh, you know, people come out, love to experience that. And they can't always get that in a smaller community like we have. Uh, and a, plays like that, I think, really require a lot of skill and talent uh, to do that. And so that's why we use professional designers and actors and directors to do that, to really let whatever the play is, whatever the story is that the playwright's trying to get through, 
to let it exist in a plane uh, unencumbered by our thoughts or you know our our personalities or whatever. Just yeah. let the playwright go through. How do you reach out to the community? beyond the community that's already coming to see your plays, which, as we know, you're always trying to build your audience. How do you reach out to the rest of the community in your towns? We go to them. We're an itinerant company in Boston, so we perform in different neighborhoods around Boston, and we usually try to be vigilant about uh, giving each different community an equal share of exposure, and so we basically build a theater every time we do a play. Um, speaking of dying on the vine, we uh, do primarily Shakespeare, but we found ultimately that um, rather than just recycling Shakespeare's plays, it was equally relevant for us to do new plays, with Shakespeare being a new playwright at one time. It became <laughs> part of our imperative to do the same and develop new and local playwrights. When you say you build a theater, do you take a storefront and turn it into a theater? That's or what? exactly right. So oftentimes we'll go into a storefront. It's challenging given uh, the codes and fire codes and assembly uh, restrictions and all the rest, but that's what we do. We'll find a raw space, go in, build a stage, uh, build the audience risers and uh, go from there. I bet, the, I bet the neighborhood loves it. Maybe not the immediate neighbors, but the <laughs> yeah. neighborhood yeah. in general. Right, right. right, right. Generally, yeah. Stephen, we were. Well, we have uh, <clears throat> our philosophy is we, we entertain, enlighten, and inspire. As just as an example, we produced uh, Next to Normal last fall, mm -hmm. and we recruited uh, several of the major hospitals and uh, <clears throat> and medical professionals in our community to come and uh, con conduct talkback sessions after each performance. Uh, there were health, mental health professionals in the lobby at every performance to counsel people who felt like they might need it. How about anyone else? So one of the things that we do in addition to sort of working primarily in contemporary work and new playwrights is to try and find a way to give voice to people or groups that don't necessarily have a voice, be it within our community or else, uh, elsewhere. Uh, so we have a focus, a fairly new focus on uh, female playwrights. Uh, we've been working a little bit in the international uh, theater realm. Last year we produced a show called the Afghan Women's Writing Project. This year we're working on a show about human trafficking uh, that we're creating ourselves. Uh, and so that's sort of part of what our focus is as well, to reach out to new communities and to provide voice to those without. With that kind of circumstance, those kinds of plays, do you have a largely female audience or... It varies dramatically. Yes, yeah, certainly for some of those that is a good focus when it's a more a traditional theatrical piece and not necessarily the Afghan Women's Writing Project as a specific. Uh, we sort of look at it as our primary audience, but really with a push toward producing female playwrights as, as much as we do male playwrights. Yeah, a lot of the work that we do is work that is in challenge. Part of our mission is that we do work that's, uh, that challenges both the artist and the audience. And sometimes that means that it's work that is uh, has unusual narrative structures or heightened language or other kinds of theatricality. So one of the things that we do to engage the community, we, we so often have heard from patrons that they fought with their spouse the whole way home in the car or <laughs> talked about it for days afterwards, <coughs> that kind of thing. So we have a series of events that are about continuing the conversation beyond the two hours traffic of our stage where we have a series of panels called illuminations where we have not only people involved in the production but people who can speak on themes that are suggested by the play we also do an informal thing every friday night after we open we keep our lobby open for a, an hour or so after the production. We have complimentary wine and checks mix and encourage the audience to stay and talk with the artists and one another in a, in a kind of informal way so that you can contextualize the kind of work we do. Because anytime you encounter something that is 
unusual in terms of either its form, its content, its, its structure. Uh, there's a desire to have more dialogue about it. Right. Chex Mix is big in your community? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> One thing Ars West does is we're a mid-sized theater in right. Seattle, so we're not using um, equity actors yet, but we do feel that the actors we are using are already graduated, and we feel that they deserve um, wage. So we pay them Washington State minimum wage for all their hours in rehearsal and we're kind of that bridge mm -hmm. from educational into the equity houses uh, through Seattle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Your communities, are, are, they, are you finding them very receptive to these ideas of coming into the community or providing uh, panel discussions three days later or do you find that you get excitement from people? Well, our, uh, we, we too have post-show discussions. Actually, we have post-show discussions after every play, and that's become a real deal-maker for a lot of our audience. They, they, it's really important for them uh, to, to, be the, to have that post-show discussion. So yeah, the discussion and the dialogue, and we, we also have a, a, a prior uh, seminar um, uh, before the, play, the production goes up by an expert or one of the cast members. Um, and, and that's really important to our core audience, mm -hmm. um, uh, the, that kind of thing. We're also finding that we're, we're helping the acting pool in Tucson, too, uh, with, with our ensemble. Mm -hmm. so. mm -hmm. We find by introducing a lot of new work, which is um, our, our mission includes broadening the theatrical perspective in, in, in St. Louis. So we do a lot of U.S. premieres of international work. And it is surprising how many... How, how varied St. Louis is as, as a metropolitan area. So, but it doesn't mean that we target to this one niche audience. It means that we might have, there's a huge Bosnian community in St. Louis, for instance, and this Bosnian community uh, will come to a play that it was specifically about Bosnia, but they, then they also come to plays, say, from South Africa, or uh, a play about uh, Atahualpa that we did. Uh, and so that mixing these communities within the larger metropolitan area is, I think, one of the, the great services. And that's also reflected in our casting policies. We are an equity house, but there are a number of, of actors in St. Louis who are very, very good. But, of course, it's hard to find work. And, and we offer an opportunity for them. Uh, and they also integrate into the other communities than when they appear on stage. And then what do you do to make sure that that community, the Bosnian community that has just come to that play, comes to the next play from a German playwright or an Asian playwright. Well, we, we hope that the, the experience, I mean, our, our, our mission is we want to move you and move you to think. And we hope that they're moved enough by the experience and because we also, uh, like you, experiment with different genres of play, they may come and they may not like it, but it's going to be different. Uh, if they've had enough good experiences for them, that's something that resonates for them personally, then the chances are they're going to return. Right. We, we have a similar mission here in New York, and we uh, have a lot of partnerships with local cultural organizations. Um, a few years ago, for example, we produced a play from India, and we partnered with the um, Indian American Cultural Council. And um, we find varied results mm -hmm. from um, one cultural community to another. Mm -hmm. There's the regular theater-going audience, and then we also reach out to specific communities for every play, not only culturally, but maybe around a theme. Um, we have an Idea Lab series similar to what you were talking about um, to sort of amplify the themes or the issues in a play. 
We don't have our own space, so we're also itinerant. Um, but we try to really create um, an experience with every show where you don't just buy your ticket, see the show, and leave, but there's time to chat in the lobby, hopefully stay in the lobby, mix with the artists. So it's a very welcoming community feeling. Uh, you, you have a lot of competition from off-Broadway, yes. Broadway, <laughs> and, and, and so on. How do you differentiate yourself from well, other off-Broadway you, houses? You'd be surprised. Um, we're 13 years old, and in New York, there is a lot of opportunity to see companies from other countries come to festivals and things like that at BAM or Lincoln Center. But um, especially when we started, we were really the only company in New York regularly producing an international program of plays, just as a regular part of our repertoire. So that really has um, made us stand out in the community and, and it's a service that we provide. Do you find that other um, people from other houses will come and be supportive to you? Or, or do they view you as the competition? No, I, th I think they are very supportive. Um, and um, it's so encouraging to meet other people from around the country who are doing this work. But you know, we feel we can, we commission translations of foreign plays, so we feel we can provide a service for, for the country as well to keep expanding the repertoire. Um, and because not a lot of theaters in New York are doing this kind of work, they do come out to, out of curiosity of nothing mm -hmm. else, to see who these writers are. Now, mm -hmm. in contrast, maybe in Oklahoma, you don't have as much competition <coughs> from theater trying to be edgy, right? No, that's true, but we, we found a real challenge in, in fostering a community of theater as opposed to community theater, getting all of the theater factions to work together and not view each other as the competition. Mm -hmm. uh, we were the first equity house to be established in Oklahoma in about, in almost 50 years. Um, until recently, there were only two equity houses in the state. Now there's a third, there's one in Tulsa, but the other two are us and uh, Oklahoma Lyric Theater, and we, we both produce in the same building in downtown Oklahoma City. Mm -hmm. Uh, and one of the things that we do is uh, we co-produce with local university programs. Uh, that was part of the founding philosophy of, of our theater. All of our founding member, members went to the same school, <clears throat> and they wanted to establish an equity regional theater and associate that with the school that they went to. Because mm -hmm. when they were in school, there was no such opportunity as even going to see an equity production, much less to work in one. Right. So that's what we do. What school, what school did they come from? Oklahoma City University. Mm -hmm. But you work with other universities too? We also work with the University of Central Oklahoma and with Oklahoma University, which is of course a, a very large right. state school. <clears throat> and we have, uh, we have turned out over 200 equity membership candidates. Mm -hmm. We don't give out too many full contracts, because mm -hmm. after all they're only 20. <laughs> uh, but they 20 years old. They're yeah. 20 years old. They do get an opportunity to actually work in a professional production with seasoned, seasoned professionals. Yes. Really and truly, what you do is fantastic. Other, other theater companies work with universities? Anyone yes. else here doing that? 
Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, we're we're in Boston, of course, which is a you know a major university town. But to that point and the point of uh, competition, I I think of Boston as just one large theater. <laughs> uh, you know, all the actors in and around Boston, and there are a lot of theaters in Boston. You mm -hmm. recognize the Huntington Theater Company, American Repertory Theater Company, and then another uh, whole group of theaters, and we all work everywhere. Uh, so given the fact that theater in general is kind of under siege <laughs> uh, culturally uh, and the challenges that we all face, there's really more a sense of symbiosis than there is a sense of competition. Because while you may be occasionally competing for some audience viewership, that audience and that audience is um, refined enough and, and going to seek out what they want. So that it, you can you can share your audience as much as compete for. When you say that theater is under siege, in, in part that might be because of the recession, correct? I mean, people well, don't have yeah. as much disposable income right. to, um, to spend on going to the theater. How have you all adapted to that situation? Well, well theater, theater may be under siege, not just because of the economy. I, th I'm, I mean, I think that um, just as an art form, um, I'm always concerned that it's going to be relegated to a parlor art form because the potential audiences are diminishing. Uh, there seems to be a whole generation that grew up not valuing theater to the same degree uh, perhaps that I might have growing up in the 60s when it was one of the dominant forms, cinema and theater, that people would access for their leisure time and now there are so many other competing things, all very exciting. And so I don't think that it's the um, economy necessarily. I think it just magnified the vulnerability. I think the only competition that, that and I live in a community of about 85,000 people, and at one point I counted, um, we had a, a theater company for every 7,000 people. It was just a large number of theater companies for a small community. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and we deal with uh, competition issues and things like that. Uh, but it's anything that comes from that is that there's a, a, a lack of people, as, as you were saying, Gabe, that, um, that are viewing going to a live theatrical experience as an alternative or, or as something to do as opposed to be engaged on the Internet or social media or, or, or something that there's just so many things over the past 10 years that's competing for everybody's right. attention. But, of course, theater you can do with people. You can do, bring Yeah, but you can't do it whenever you want, right? So the problem is, is that we don't have this product or thing that we can store in memory that you can access anytime you want. We have a chair that's good for a specific time at a specific place or various places. Mm. And uh, when that time period is over, it disappears. You can't put it on the shelf. So by the time you have, you know, done the run that you can afford to do, say it's three weeks, four weeks, then people are starting to hear about it and going, hey, you know, calling up two days after you close saying, I have had somebody call and say, uh, is it still going on? I'd like a tick ticket for tonight. And we say, no, we closed two days ago. And they say, well, can't you just do it another weekend? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, tickets are going to be $2,727 just You're the for only you. guy in the audience. It's also about the, uh, being part of the fabric of society. And uh, in talking to my parents some time ago, they were recalling going to plays here in New York in the 1950s, and they would go, and, and it was part, it had a relevance and a resonance at that moment that is hard to capture now. Um, it, in certain countries, in, in European countries where the theater is heavily subsidized, 
that has been nurtured in a different way. But here and now, and one of the great things I think about this gathering is that the American Theatre Wing is, is, is showing us that, that we're out there doing this. Showing and, and each other that you're out there. Showing each other. Yeah. And, and we're all also trying in some way to create theater, not just put on plays, but create theater, create something that is part of the fabric of okay. society. Okay, do you take risks? Is part of your job to take risks that another theater company in your community would not even consider? And what kind of risks are we talking about? Programmatically, I would say we do take some risks. There are several theaters. Uh, there are actually 50 some odd theaters in the city of Cincinnati. A lot of them are community wow. theaters. There's only five professional theaters, but there's a massive theater community as a whole. Right. And as a whole, the community really supports the theater. Uh, and the, the things that we produce are a little bit farther on the outside than what the larger houses will produce, simply because uh, I think, I, frankly, because we don't have a large subscription base. And so I don't have a large group of people who I have to please on a most of the time basis. I have 200 subscribers and then I have thousands of single ticket buyers every year. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's really how we approach the work that we do. We really want to be doing that work. It is the most contemporary. We don't choose it because it's a little bit harder or a little bit more controversial or because of those things. We choose it because it's the most interesting and it presents us with a challenge of how do we present this kind of work in our small space with our very small budgets and how do we not only do it but do it better than we think we can actually accomplish it. Mm. Uh, how do we create something that looks better uh, than we've ever created before? How do we create something with better talent than we've ever <coughs> created before every single time? Yes, we, we chose to produce August Osage County a couple of years ago. We were one of the first regional theaters to get those rights. Mm -hmm. And we didn't think anyone would come to see it, <laughs> but they did. We sold out every performance. Mm -hmm. We were really quite astonished. We mm -hmm. chose it really not just for the quality of the work, but also because it was written by an Oklahoma playwright and it's mm -hmm. set in Oklahoma. All the characters are from Oklahoma. It's it's an all well, Oklahoma piece. Stephen, why didn't you think people would want to come see it? In Oklahoma City, they didn't know it. Mm. Really? Hmm. They, they, yeah. The, in Oklahoma City, the, not a lot of those people, not many members of our audience, regularly travel to New York or to Chicago or to London right. to see the things that are happening on Broadway or the West End. And so, brand new shows from Broadway are not really known to them unless they've been through on a national tour, which the national tour of August Osage County did not come to Oklahoma City. Right. Right. So you did a tremendous service to Oklahomans by putting on that play. We think so, and also because no one else in our community mm -hmm. could have done it. Uh, there are no other theaters in the community that c could have mustered the talent necessary to interpret the piece for them. Do other artistic directors, do you look for playwrights from your community? emerging playwrights, what do you do in terms of new material? We look for both. Um, we do mostly plays from other parts of the world, but then we also um, produce new American work in that world context. And um, we feel it's really important to do both and have a conversation between mm. those artists. Um, and I was thinking about your question with risk-taking. One of the things that we're really interested in is looking at different ways to tell a story on stage. So some of the plays that we do are more traditional and have that fourth wall. Some involve um, actors just talking directly to the audience. Some involve um, the audience not quite knowing what's part of the play and what's not part of the play and figuring that out. Um, and and that's that's a big part of how we take risks to say to our audience, this is theater and this is theater and this is also theater and, and get them thinking about that that's as well. That's one of the things I think about too when selecting plays is why is this play, why should this be a play? 
Right. Could mm -hmm. this be produced in a different medium? Right. Or is this really, truly unique and meant to be live? And what's that, unique about it? I, 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 part of our mission is that we do work that's inherently theatrical. And I think as... Like, like for example... Uh, well, uh, we do a lot of new work, but we do work that plays with narrative structure that doesn't take place in a you know linear chronology or that takes place in multiple locations sometimes at the same time. Or we do work that's infused with other theatrical... Uh, elements including music or dance or puppetry or multimedia. Uh, they're things that I think make theater unique. And in this time when we're competing for the attention of people who can create their own experience at home, on demand, whatever it is they want, I think that the things that the theater does that no other media does are, are the things that are going to make us vital and keep us moving to the future. I should also point that that film, film is trying to become more like theater every day with the yeah. 3D technology. Yeah. I mean, they, they, ha they want, well, we were originally high-definition <laughs> yeah. entertainment. You are, so. the, you are the high-definition. Yeah. Well, we tell people all the time, we've yeah. always been in 3D. Yeah. Yeah. Also, the, 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 the risk inherent in these programs who are producing either new work or in, uh, producing work in new ways or unknown work, of course, then what, how do you market? The, how do you sell uh, plays that no one knows what they're about? And you're, you do that all the time. Mm -hmm. We have that issue at Arts West because we right. generally do uh, Seattle premieres or Northwest premieres. Right. And it's really about giving the Arts West experience. From the minute they walk through that door, exactly. they know exactly what they're going to get. They may not know the title, but they know that they're going to have a, the highest quality production and a really strong evening. The brand becomes the theater. That's mm -hmm. exactly. It's, it's great to leverage that type of mm -hmm. recognition. Um, it's great for our board of directors to, to know that we've received that recognition and also uh, to be, you know, be able to tap into a community like, like these folks and know that it's happening all, that there's this pulse that's happening around the country at the same time that's recognized by the American Theater Wing. I, I, I was going to say that I, we have no uh, shortage of risk takers in my little funky town. Uh, Asheville, North Carolina was described by a state legislature uh, as being a cesspool of sin. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and we all now have t-shirts like now. Kind of yes. So this is real. Funk. We have, have t-shirts now. Yeah, and it's we all want one. I, I, I'll get right on it. But uh, we have this reputation. We it's a very funky town, and um, nestled in the mountains of North Carolina, you would not think it. Just you know, driving 20 minutes in any direction, uh, that this sort of hotbed of liberal cesspoolness and <laughs> and uh, uh, and artistic risk taking. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of that going on in my community, especially with theater. Um, what, what we end up doing is taking a risk financially when we produce a play, and I, I'm listening to everybody talk about how do you tell people about a play that nobody's ever heard of. In my community, I could do a play that won 20 Tony Awards one particular year, and they still don't hear of it. You know, mm -hmm. it's, exactly. it's, it's the same issue. Mm -hmm. So what, what we hope to do um, uh, with this grant money is hold on, you know, for this ride that we've decided to take. We're constantly taking financial risk and artistic risk, mm -hmm. and we're hoping that this allows us to weather some of the risks that don't necessarily pan out. We're doing a play about Buckminster Fuller right now, mm -hmm. and I've had this argument with my staff. Who's going to come to this play about Buckminster Fuller? And he <coughs> created the geodesic dome, you know, and, but nobody's necessarily heard of him. <laughs> so uh, fortunately, the staff is all eating crow, right now and that's great. <laughs> Did um, you build a geodesic dome? In as, a, as a backdrop for the set? Uh, no, I'm saying out in a park or something so people <laughs> go, why is that here? Well, we, we live down the road from Black Mountain College where Buckminster Fuller uh, taught and there's a big legacy there so we've had a lot of help. There was a Buckminster Fuller um, conference this past weekend so, so that has helped. 
Uh, but, um, but it was a tremendous play to do. You know, when you read it, it starts speaking to you right away about this man who uh, figured out what an individual could do to make uh, Spaceship Earth, another term he created, better for all humanity. And it, you know, it read really well, and I had an intuitive response to it, and now it's really picking up, and people are starting to, uh, to come to it. So that was a gamble that uh, fulfilled our mission mm -hmm. and gave work to the community of, of artists there and is really thrilling audiences. But if that hadn't worked, and you know, later in the season, one of those calculations will not work. And so that's what, what this $10,000 allows us to do, is really commit safety to those net. Yeah, safety net for these uh, risks, because oftentimes we don't, we don't have a net below us. Right. Mm -hmm. But you know, I, I've been thinking, um, I, I feel like this group is good evidence of it. Um, in the recession, in a time where everybody's feeling like they have to retract, I, I think you see in the theater, the success stories are the people who have kept doing what they do and even kept pushing mm -hmm. further. So this kind of support helps you do that, helps you keep taking the risk, keep doing bold work because that's what your company is known for. I think that's exactly um, right. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's so important. Um, I think if you start stepping back from that, then you're gonna lose everything you've built and you're not gonna be yourself anymore. Mm -hmm. um, so this is so valuable for that um, so, to keep moving forward. Which illustrates the point that, that um, it's a risk not to take risks after yeah. a while. Right? <laughs> that's true. I mean, that's, right. that's the I mean, hazard is that philosophically, philosophically, if you were to say regional theater in America, that what is the job of regional theater philosophically? I mean, really getting to the um, underpinnings. I, I think, you know, historically it did two things. First of all, it, uh, it, it firmly established that theater was not just in New York, that it could be grow out of community, respond to the, the needs, the tastes, uh, the cultures of a community. And the second thing is the not-for-profit movement allows for those kind of risks. You can't, uh, obviously, if it's a commercial venture, any individual show needs to either return its investment or not. Mm -hmm. In a not-for-profit uh, ongoing company, you can afford to take maybe more risk with one play because another one is going to be more successful. It, uh, it ends up evening out over the course of a season. So I feel like philosophically, the ability to take risks is part of our responsibility as not-for-profit mm -hmm. And it's what our donors respond to a lot, too, mm -hmm. even more so than our audiences, that our donors are there not to just have a cultural institution in town, but they enjoy uh, contributing to us because it fulfills a, a, an artistic need and, and uh, a, a need for challenging work in the community. Do you find that local media, news, TV, and radio helps you, that they consider you uh, material to put into their newscasts, into their discussions, and therefore they're happy about? In our region, mm -hmm. um, over 15 years, we've witnessed that the traditional outlets for us to get to an audience are diminishing and dying. Yeah. Newspapers are dying, they're in flux. Right. Um, we find that uh, major papers that used to give uh, substantial attention to theater and to cinema and are mostly reporting on rock concerts as the critics that review theater are falling by the wayside uh, so that I think there's kind of a revolution in trying to define and identify how you're going to reach out, not just to your current audiences, which is tough enough, but then to try to it's nurture really a future audience door -door. where we don't even know how to reach them. 
Mm -hmm. Just because we reach them doesn't mean that they're going to put their butts in the seat. Mm -hmm. It's also long form. Theater is long form, whereas we're so besieged by these short form blasts yes. of, mm -hmm. uh, of, of really entertainment. Tweets. Whereas our, you know, we have to, you have to loop back uh, continually on what it is that you're seeing and thinking about, and that's challenging. And of course, news organizations, as you say, are up against it themselves. It all happened when, yeah. Frank, well, Rich, when Frank Rich decided to no longer review oh. theater. You know? Well, it's also important to remember it's not the fault of the critics because they love more inches of print, oh, that's right. and they've they've yeah. they've lost jobs as papers have cut back too. But it's mm -hmm. the it's the general response, I think. There are, however, these new. Uh, blogging critics, and we sometimes are, are finding ourselves besieged with uh, requests. Well, I write a theater blog. Can mm -hmm. I come as press to your to your play? And you could end up with half an audience with free. You could end up with attendees. half. That's exactly. <laughs> a lot of a lot we of theaters. Them. We love that. Yeah. A lot of That's theaters so are now. Absolutely. Go with that. Start a blog. Tickets, you can come. Yes. I think a lot of theaters, and I would love to hear from this group because somebody's pressing me to do it, are, are looking at um, having tweeting sections or live blogging sections of the play. I, and there's a traditionalist aspect of, of me that <laughs> wants to run away screaming at that idea, but then the other side of me is like, you know, we act like theater is so um, sacrosanct and in the globe, mm. wasn't, you know. It's, yeah, it's um, a it was modern pretty construct. Pretty. And that's what this I is on a, on a, it's just people talking, you know. I think, I think that's an interesting point about bringing new audiences into, um, I teach at, um, at Fordham, and um, a lot of my students have been people who've never been to the theater before, which is a great exercise for me to try to convey what theater is and why they should go. And I would bring them, and I would ask them why they've never been or what are the obstacles. And um, there are many, one of them being price, one of them being actually how difficult it is to figure out how to buy a ticket. It's quite complicated, but another one is, um, I don't feel welcome. I don't. I feel like I don't know how to behave, quote unquote. Yes. Mm. Um, and so, for people who are used to being on their phone all the time and texting and all of the things that we, you know, we say, shh, be quiet. And um, from the from the performance standpoint, you have a lot of reasons why you don't want that in the theater. And I think it's a really interesting you, question. You have a really, you know, you have a, 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 a respectful audience, which is great when you want it, but. It's so ironic that when we don't want a, a respectful audience in a, in a riotous comedy or, or something mm -hmm. like that, and you have these students, we had these students from a, a local community college come, about 40 of them, yeah. and they didn't know that they could laugh almost. Yeah. They, mm -hmm. they were, like, yeah. you talk to them afterwards and they, they enjoyed it, but they felt like they were being a little uh, rude if they enjoyed themselves. That but demographic showed enjoyment. Yeah. There's, an, there's an interesting, uh, I, I, I keep feeling like I'm colliding with this contradiction. You said something about keeping keeping the uh, the theater as live as possible. It it, it makes it a singular experience to go into a room and shut off all of the electronics and just be there in the room with somebody anymore. Because and and it's only getting worse. Um, you know, we all have like have have some kind of digital device on us, just probably. And and um, that's only getting worse. And yet. The only way that we can get in touch with our audience anymore is through, through digital media. <laughs> um, uh, and I feel, I've always felt it's really important to, because I feel like our entertainment centers and our perception centers are changed suddenly when we're presented with something on a flat screen. 
to, and we're presented something that's in a digital medium. All of a sudden, it's it's hitting us in a different a different kind of way. And how to combine suddenly combine that with spatial interpretation and personal interpretation becomes it becomes difficult. And and what happens? Bear with me. What happens when you're looking at that screen is you lean back because it's all happening up there and you don't have anything to do with it. Whereas if you're in the room with something, you're leaning forward and, and all of a sudden you're engaged and you're creating along with, uh, along with the people that are in front of you. So this whole business of uh, how we engage a digital generation and, and a digital world is a real, I think it's a real problem. Things are going to change dramatically in coming years. Well, it's a challenge. That demographic is called the millennial generation. Right. Yes, right. right. Everyone, some, everyone born after 1987, essentially. Mm -hmm. I mean, can you fall in love in 140 characters or less, right. you know, basically? And uh, it's that immediacy that is, can be kind of off-putting rather than settling in and knowing that time isn't going to suddenly evaporate on you right. in the next five minutes. Mm -hmm. But we all are, 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 are susceptible to it, right. given so the fact that we have less time. Speaking of all these devices, yeah. do you use Twitter? Do you use Facebook? Yes. 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 Do you have websites, yes. everybody, yes. Yes. to yes. reach Absolutely. out? Yeah, I tweeted on my way over here. I'm, oh, you know, well, how, did, what kind of, how did we show up in your tweet? <laughs> 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 well, that was my marketing director saying, you know, make sure you tweet. And I'm like, uh, 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 what do I say? Uh, but as a digital <laughs> company, it's our responsibility also to educate our communities. Right. And this new generation is part of that education. Mm -hmm. So there are ways we do an onstage event where that age group doesn't necessarily want to speak up, so they can tweet me on the mm -hmm. stage and ask the question. Right. Mm. So not that they're interrupting the performance, but it's a way that they can start asking those questions and then they come to see the show, they know they put their cell phones down, and it's just one step by one step. We also have a gallery where we do uh, use a lot of multimedia right. and a lot of things like that where people can tweet their experience and it ends up on the walls. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's fabulous. Well, you know, of I, course, I we know want them to do it after they see the show right. to spread the word. We just don't want them to do it, it in the theater. Well, but, you know, I, I think the give and take is really right. interesting. Right, yeah. right. No, right. I, I think that's yeah. absolutely fabulous and that there's no way you're going to reach the really younger generation unless you at least participate in that. Right. I barely know how to use a cell phone, much less tweet. But we hired to come to these rehearsals that we're in right now. Um, I say we hired, we invited three young people to come and, and we sat down and said, well, just come to rehearsals and let's talk and, and why don't you tweet from these rehearsals and enlighten us. And they sat down with the cast and uh, the cast was, most of the cast also uh, doesn't tweet very much, but th they it was very enlightening, <coughs> and the cast learned a lot. I learned a lot, and and they're tweeting away. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you say to our audience? You have a television audience right here. <laughs> what do you say to them about regional theater? About what you want from them, and what they can expect from you? A conversation. I mean, a, a, a conversation that resonates really to the bone um, about what happens when you're engaging in, in what we do, all of us, and have been, and will continue to do, uh, how does it shift? How, how do you feel that shift where, where, where you get ahead of time, where you get ahead of, you know, you feeling like um, things are just slipping away, and you, you know, 
you condense things in a way that you feel the connection with other human beings. It's really that vital part of... It, it's a uh, sensual yeah. experience. Yeah. It's interesting you yeah. picked the word conversation because yeah. that's how I think of it. Mm. I mean, we always, we keep hearing more and more about how polarized our society is and how we lapse into a level of comfort and having everything is black and white. And it seems as if theater in general and maybe regional theater in particular is to keep the arena of the conversation broad and the gray zone where probably most of the great conversations take place. And, and I and think it, also it's you're offering people friendship. I mean, everybody wants to belong. And that's one thing you a communal sort of, experience. A, a, yes, mm -hmm. a, a place where everybody will know your name if you keep coming back, <laughs> right? I you think know, about it too, that, like come and let us tell you a story about yourself that and you And then don't come know back yet. again and come back again. That's yeah. what you you want, repeat customers, right? right? In in your community, that's extremely important. And and in relation to the question you posed earlier about competition, I I think that doing good theater and breeding a theater audience means we have an audience for the theater. So I think that once someone is hooked by the experience of theater going, they will continue doing it. Mm. So I think it's, as theater makers, it's our job to do the best theater we can, to make people feel engaged so that they want to go again, whether it's our theater or the theater next door or whatever it is, it's only gonna be good for our industry. And to it's make it affordable. And, then, and to make it affordable, because that's the real challenge. Mm -hmm. It's very labor intensive. And the price point is such that it can make it prohibitive. Right. I mean, if we were adequately funded, there'd be a lot more people seeing what we do. But the fact is, we have a certain imperative to, to pay for what we do. And, and, and as a result, it, it provides a particular set of challenges time and time again. And, and some, mm -hmm. that can translate into rising ticket costs that we don't like to have to enforce, but that's what happens. You mm -hmm. know? Well, and we, we offer a pay-what-you-can night for yep. each, each production. I'm sure that, that happens all, all throughout the room here. Mm -hmm. Um, we try to take away as many impediments as possible for somebody to come see the theater. We're, we're working with the local library to put a subscription. Uh, it would be like checking out a DVD from the library. You can check out a subscription, come as many times as you want during a week. You know? You'd check it out and then somebody else would check it out for another production yeah, or something right? like right. So it's there as a, as a public service, so we're working I see, on I that. I hear good idea over here. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Well, that's, yeah. All right, well, I'll take that back to the board. But it's not um, just about ticket sales. Tickets only cover half the cost, if that, so it's also donations mm -hmm. that are really important. Um, you know, our tickets, our most expensive ticket is $30, mm -hmm. but it's those donations that have to supplement that. Right. Well, the other thing I was going to say is, is that I, uh, especially with, you know, people 25 and younger, I don't go to bars anymore, but occasionally I do, and getting conversations, and somebody will be sitting there, they say, what do you do? And I, I say, I run a professional theater. I did this production of this or that. Oh, I heard about that. That sounded awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can't go. I can't afford it. And I'm looking at them with a $40 bar tab. So it's a lot of times it's just not important. You know, it's not, they don't perceive the value um, enough to sort of overcome the inertia of what they are currently doing. So I would say to anybody watching or listening, you know, give it a try. Wherever you are, just if the thing you heard about, don't make any decisions about how you can't do it. Just give it a go. Don't go out to a bar one night. Give it a go. 
See if you like it. I bet you will. Come, come in company, too. I mean, don't Bring a just friend. come by yourself. Bring With friends. somebody to talk to afterwards and right. have, you know, another beer afterwards. But you'll want to. You'll, right. You really will want to. Right. Well, I hope you all feel cherished by the American theater wing. Well, we do. And by American theater in general, because I think what you do is extraordinarily important. And uh, thank you very much. You've all been absolutely fabulous. And uh, thank you for joining us. These programs are brought to you in partnership with our friends at CUNY TV. On behalf of the American theater wing, I'm Donna Hanover. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Working in the Theater. I love to be able to tell people stories. Uh, that's one of the, my favorite things in the entire world. Uh, and the ability to uh, share that uh, in so many unique ways. We get to do and experiment in a lot of different ways with a lot of different forms of plays, different forms of uh, design. Uh, that for me is incredibly exciting. And, and the fact that we do it on a very small budget also drives innovation within our organization and makes us really focus on how we can do something differently uh, and still accomplish something that has uh, an amazing feel, be it design or again, just sort of a, a, how, how a show is approached overall. We felt that we could contribute to the New York cultural community and also to the American theater with this international programming, um, giving especially younger, newer American writers quality production opportunities and bringing new writing from abroad and creating um, a conversation and creating a sense of global community um, with our audiences. I visited uh, New York a lot as a, as a, as a student, um, both college and high school, and uh, there are several times seeing a show, uh, understanding how that, how that, what an impact that had made on me, the emotional impact that made me think beyond my experience. Uh, that is what I have, I have uh, loved about theater, the experiences I've had. I've only had it in a professional setting where the, the uh, artists are really taking care of me. So that's my uh, contribution to the community is to take care of our audiences the way I was taken care of by, by the New York Theater. Big part of our mission is that we do work that challenges the artist and the audience, which means that while I hope the work that we do is entertaining, it will mean that it is always challenging in some kind of way, forces us to think about our world in a different way or the possibilities of theater in a different way. We, we have a kind of Occam's razor. If and we ask, if this is a play that will resonate, then we can continue to look at it. If we say, so what, then, then we set it aside. But we're reading plays in different languages, choosing work from all around the world, and then testing to see what will this mean for our audience in St. Louis. My personal inspiration has been uh, uh, kind of an abiding feeling that there's an importance to theater and that it's a very vital form of communication and that um, uh, regional theaters in particular can keep the arena for discourse broad in a society where that discourse is ever narrowing and getting polarized. We question is, is, is something that we always look for in our plays, a question that is left with the audience, uh, something for them to ponder, something for them to sort out. My inspiration comes from the richness of Shakespeare's language. His language has a depth and a resonance and a vibrancy and a vitality that allows us to uh, feed on the nourishment that he gives us as a playwright. And we're uh, able to share that on a continuing basis with our audience who thankfully keeps coming back to see us again and again. 
What inspires me to choose the work that I do is the plays have no ending. Uh, either the last scene is the first scene of the next play, or it leaves you with a lot of unanswered questions. So you have to go home and discuss why um, the show was about what it was or why it gave you those feelings. I think theater can really change society if we start asking questions. Art is the soul and conscience of a society. And if there is no soul, then the society will fail. And history has proved that to be true. It's our duty to provide that kind of <clears throat> spiritual foundation, I think, for a culture, for a society, and to, to make us focus on the things we should be looking at. There is so much more to the American Theatre Wing than just the Tony Awards. The American Theatre Wing's website has a wealth of information. There's about 700 hours of material on the website. <laughs> 700 hours? That's a lot of material. Here's the jam, everybody. It's free. There are videos, there are podcasts that you can download right onto your iPod. You see artists talking about what inspires them and why they got into the business. It's great to be able to hear people like Stephen Sondheim, Patti Lapone, Doug Wright, Scott Ellis, Donna McKechnie. Programs like Springboard NYC and the Theater Intern Group are great opportunities for young people who are trying to get into the business. The Jonathan Larson grants for new composers are great. And it's just another example of how The Wing is doing wonderful work in fostering the talents of young writers and artists. What the American Theatre Wing does with these programs is it immerses you with artists currently working the business. What the Wing provides is inspiration. I'm Jen Damiano. I'm Hunter Bell. I'm Bobby Steggert. I'm Saikon Simbla. If you love theater, go to americantheaterwing.org. It's all there on americantheaterwing.org. Click over and check it out. You might learn something. <laughs>